addiction, depression. So this is very important. So tomorrow I'll be teaching this lesson uh, at my home, and it begins at six o'clock. There will no, there will not be Bible study this week because of the Thanksgiving holiday. And again, I think we did announce that we're going to be playing football. I'm not playing if it's raining, and uh, somebody told me it's going to be raining on Thanksgiving Day. How about that? It never rains here uh, on Thanksgiving Day, but I guess we're expecting some rain. So nobody will be out there playing if it's going to rain. We don't want no one to get injured, right? Yeah. <laughs> Although I think some of us want to play out there in the rain anyway, but we're not going to do that, okay? Uh, we're going to go ahead and dismiss now for Sunday School Services. Kids, you are dismissed. The rest of us turn to your Bibles, to the book of Colossians. We're coming to the end of Colossians here. We actually are going through the books of the Bible. So excited to, um, to be teaching from the book of Colossians, and we're coming towards the very end of it. We're at Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to begin in verse 2. Colossians chapter 4. You have your Bibles and you were there. Gotcha. Great. And as we always do, if you're at Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, please stand for the reading of God's word here this morning. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And it reads as follows. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Amen. You may now be seated. Let me pray, Heavenly Father, and thank you for another wonderful day that you've blessed us with. We are absolutely thankful that we woke up this morning. We have a, a thankful heart for everything that you have done for us, everything that you would provide for us, a way to be reconciled back to you through your Son, Christ Jesus, our King and our Lord. We are so thankful for you, Jesus. This word that we go for, that goes forth today, we pray that it would minister to us, it would be a reminder to us of how we are to behave and actually remind us of why exactly we are thankful at this time of the year. So Lord, let this word go forth and bless us today and may be pleasing in your sight. Help me to speak without error in the name of Jesus. Amen. Turn me down just, just a bit, just a bit. Are you thankful this morning? Are you really, truly thankful this morning? Let me tell you something. I'm so thankful for what God has done. Now, this church started with just a little Bible study. That's how this church started. I'm so thankful for that moment when God had rescued me and that I had a heart for others. So I took my Bible and I opened up the Bible, began to read this Bible and think about what I was going to teach at this Bible study, and I was thankful because God was ministering to me, and he was speaking to me through his words. I was very thankful. So I called my friend uh, Johnny in New York, and I called Johnny and said, Johnny, you know, I'm going to start a Bible study. He goes, let me tell you something where you need to start. You need to start in the book of John. If you read the book of John, you go through the book of John, it will bless those 
that you ministered to by reading the word. So I studied the book of John, and it took me a while to study the book of John, but I did it, and I was studying it, learning everything about the book of John, why the book of John was written. And so I started this Bible study, but I had to make a phone call first. I had to make a phone call. I had to invite people to this Bible study. I had to go to somebody else's house that I knew where people would show up. And then I started this Bible study simply by opening up the Bible and reading from the Bible. People would come, and then as weeks would grow, it began to grow, and more people would begin to come. And then the room began to fill up, and then the Lord put it in my heart to begin to start a church. But I'm thankful because he saved me. He redeemed me. He gave me another opportunity to glorify him in the way that a one should glorify him. And so I'm sitting there and thinking about how thankful I am that God would send people and I would have the opportunity and the privilege to teach them the word of God. Yeah, me. I can't believe that me teaching somebody the word of God. If you know anything about me, and unfortunately there are some people who know about my past that would say I'm now teaching the Bible is something that uh, is absolutely astonishing that God would choose me to do this. And so I'm thankful to God. And you know why I'm thankful? It's because you are all here to hear the word of God. That you actually travel to come here and to hear the word of God. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful because I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for Jesus. Are you thankful today? Where would you be if it wasn't for Jesus? I mean, really, I don't know. It's just a little bit of praise. But for me, I got to praise God because I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for Jesus. Where I would be today if it wasn't for the Lord who would save me, who would open up my eyes to my sinful condition to realize I needed to be saved. I needed to be rescued. And I thank God for those moments. I'm thanking him every day because of what he has done for me. Now, I had an opportunity to speak with my son. God is amazing when he does some things. And God um, did something for my son yesterday. He ran into an old family relative of mine. And when he was talking to my old cousin from way back in the day, when he was talking to him, Aaron was actually ministering and telling him some testimonials because of people that actually changed that are in Christ because he knew who they were before. And so he's like, no way. Are you kidding me, Darla, serving the Lord? <laughs> are you kidding me? If you know Darla, you know anything about Darla? Like, wait, wait, wait. Are you kidding me? She's serving the Lord? And she goes, did your church? And it's like God does an amazing thing when that kind of stuff, because that glorifies God. Because people are probably saying the same thing about you. Like, really? Are you going to church now? You are really reading the word of God now? Now, I know all about your story. I know where you used to, what you used to do and who you were identified with. But now you are identified with Christ and you're serving the Lord. So we're thankful to those things. Even the cameraman today, he was shocked that Anthony is the deacon in the church. Because if you know anything about my brother, then you would realize God is amazing. God can save anybody and turn your life around. And so we're reading this story, reading that we're talking, I was listening to what he was telling me. And it was just like, yeah, we did do those things. And isn't God amazing that he would transform our life? One thing that we loved and now we love Jesus. We love this thing, but now we love Jesus. We wanted to go this way, but now we want to follow after Jesus. There's so many things that we used to do, and we're so thankful because God has this redeeming power. He saves and changes lives. I'm thankful today. I'm very thankful. And so we celebrate this American holiday, Thanksgiving. All of you guys are going to have your turkey and your dinner, and you're going to thank God. I want you to witness at the dinner table. I want you to thank God in front of your family members who you know are probably not saved, but you thank them because of Jesus. 
You say, oh, you know what? One time, uh, and this is this really was kind of a, a shocking thing that one time I got together with my family, and my mother had said, you know what? Why don't we get together and hold each other by the hand and get into a circle, and let's just thank God for for whatever it is. So whatever came to your to your memory or whatever it was that you felt, you gave God thanks for that thing. And it kind of like spoke to me. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Maybe you all should try to do that this, this Thursday when you get together. Get together with your family and just thank God for whatever he has done in your life, which you're thankful for. Are you thankful today? I mean, do you realize what Jesus has done for you? Are you thankful? Do you remember where you were, where you were headed until Jesus came to save you? So I'm thankful this morning. I'm thankful for God's power. I'm thankful for you all. I'm thankful that he brought you here. I'm thankful for this church that God has blessed us with to teach his word here today. Let's go to the text. The sermon points, if you have it, and the name of this sermon is A Thankful Heart. I pray that all of you do really truly have a thankful heart, that I don't have to poke and pride you to be thankful, but that you are thankful that God has saved you. I'm thankful this morning, but though it's called a thankful heart. And the sermon point here is number one, but let's go to the text. Let's go to the text of scripture. We're at chapter four, verse two, and it says this. It says, continue steadfastly, meaning you have to continue to be diligent in prayer, to be steadfastly, have constant attention, understand your prayer life is very important. For those of you that are truly thankful in the Lord and you, you love the Lord and you're so thankful for all that God has done for you, you are in constant prayer. Can I get an amen? Because I know that you do pray. Are you a praying people here today? Did you come to the house of God? Did you pray this morning? When you got to the house of God, were you praying today? I'm going to tell you there's some people that you really need to pray for. There's some people that you probably don't want to pray for, but that the Bible tells us that we should pray for. I'm going to give you a group of people now that you have to pray for. So Paul here in prison, he's chained up. He's next to a, a Roman guard, chained up 24 hours a day. He's in prison. It's probably hot. I don't know the time of the day, but if it's cold, I'm sure a cold, wet, rainy cell isn't very nice to be in. But yet he's thankful to God. If it's 115 degrees outside, he's chained up to a Roman soldier. He's still thankful to God. All of us complain about things here. But imagine Paul's situation. He's locked up in prison and he's telling all of us, he's telling the writers, he writes this letter. He's saying, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. What does that mean, being watchful in it? Well, when uh, you do pray, the Bible tells us that we're to be watchful in it. Now, when you do pray and you know people personally, you know their situation, you know about what they're going through, you are watchful, you are very mindful of what you should pray about in their life because you're being watching one another and knowing one another, you're watchful. You actually have the material, all the material that you need to pray for somebody. Because we all know that there's somebody that's struggling right now. We all know that there's kids out there when you're a mom and you have parents and you may be struggling in your parenting. You know what to pray for. There may be some people who are without a job and others struggling with finances. You're watchful and you're mindful. You have the information. Maybe you should pray for them. If there's people who are struggling in their marriages, you kind of see it. You want to be able to be watchful and you have the information that you should be able to pray for their marriage. And so we're very mindful, we're watchful in it, but we're doing it with thanksgiving. I will pray for you because I'm thankful that I'm saved. I will pray for you because I'm thankful that God has redeemed me. I am thankful and I will pray for you because God is doing a spectacular thing in your own life. Because I look at your stories, and I know your stories, and I'm thankful because of God and what he has done. That I'm so thankful that I'm going to take the time to pray for other people. Do you pray for other people? If you haven't, you need to start praying for other people. 
I'm going to talk about this here. I'm going to give you some people that you need to pray about. If the sermon point number one says this, as Paul reminds us to give constant attention, and we know what it means to give constant attention, because a lot of you give constant attention to your phone. A lot of you give constant attention to things that you like. A lot of you give constant attention to so many things, but you don't give that constant attention to the things of God. We need to give constant attention to prayer, constant attention to the things of God. Now, I spoke a little bit about this on Friday night. We had a little, we had a gathering for marriage. And I said, in, in, in the marriage and also in the world, what you have is you have the kingdom of God. Are you all saved here today? Are you saved here today? Are you absolutely proved? Are you saved here today? Then you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. For those that are on the outside that are not in the are not a citizen of the kingdom of God, they are in what's called the kingdom of self righteousness or kingdom of self. It's all about yourself. It's all about you. It's all about what you can get. There are even churches that will preach about just you. You go to church and I'm just talking about you. What I can do to make you feel better. How I can make your financial situation better. How I can make everything better for you because you're still in this. And there are churches that have what's pro promoting the kingdom of self. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God and what we talk about here is Jesus. Amen. We need to know who Jesus is. All the more our kids will know who Jesus is by the way you live out the gospel. Are you living out the gospel? Are you in constant prayer? Are you paying attention? Be constantly attentive to a life of prayer filled with thanksgiving. Filled with thanksgiving. The heart must be awake for prayers to have value. Now, if Paul is telling us in the text, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. It's, it's very important because what happens is, is that if you don't have a strong prayer life or you're not praying at all, or sometimes when you do pray, you kind of just pray like this. Uh, Lord, thank you, Lord, for some things uh, you've done in my life. Uh, yeah. Uh, praise the Lord. What? Praise God. You ain't even praying. There's no value in your prayer because your heart's not in it. What's happened is listlessness has set in. And that's like no energy. No, 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 no zeal for life. No, no, no attentive to, to attention to details when it comes to prayer. And it's like your, your listlessness, this lack of energy. And your heart must be awake for your prayers to have value. Now, prayer, check this now, prayer does not change God. But prayer changes you. Prayer will change your life because you will understand that you need God. He is your resource. He is all that you need. You need God. You need to pray more. We need to be having a, 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 a mind that's set on prayer. So listlessness doesn't set in. And there are a lot of people that do pray, but they're listless in their prayer. There's really no value because you have lack of energy. You're not, you're not really into the prayer. and You're not thinking about some things because things have set into your heart that are trying to pull you away. Because really you are two people. You are really two people. I tell you, you're not bipolar. Okay, none of you are bipolar. You're dealing with bipolar, two people and two people. What you are is the old person, and then you are the new person. You are the old person still. You still battle with that flesh. You're still going to battle with some things in your life because you have the old nature, but you have a new nature. You have the Holy Spirit with you. You have a new life. You have a spiritual life that's constantly trying to win over the old person. You ever notice how sometimes you have good days and sometimes you have bad days? Sometimes you're walking in the Spirit and sometimes you're just totally in the flesh. You're still dealing with that old person. And that old person's in your life, and that old heart and its old ugly ways is trying to rear its ugly head, and those things keep you from praying. Those things keep you from walking. Those things keep you from worshiping. Those things keep you from living out the gospel. 
And so we're mindful of it. We know that this old nature is still there. There's still some things that, that tries to come back and tries to make its way back to the forefront. But we can't let that happen. We have to constantly walk in the spirit. We have to walk in the spirit. Now we have a collection of people and community. We're in community together. Next week we come to the end of this, 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 this uh, the entire book. And we're going to talk about nine people. Nine people that are in Paul's life. Nine people that should be in your life. And one particular person that I'm sure is in your life that has left your life. But we're going to talk about community. Community. Christianity is about a bunch of people coming together and living together and walking together. It's never about isolation. It's never about isolation. Now, that's a sinful thing. If someone likes to be by themselves and they always be by themselves and they're, and they're just antisocial, that means they're still dealing with that sin condition because in Christianity, we're not antisocial. We like to be with each other. We need to hang out with each other. I love to come here on Sunday. I love to be here on Wednesday. I love the fact that we're like family. And I need to be around my family because without my family, I don't like to be isolated. I don't like to be alone. But there are times when we need that alone time and we make use of that time as well. Make sure your prayers are powerful, that you're not, you, that listlessness has not set in. Let's go back to the depths. But we're thankful. We have Thanksgiving. It says, uh, verse 3, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the work. So who exactly are we supposed to pray for? Now watch this. He says, Paul says, pray for us. Pray for Paul. Paul's telling the writer, and his, um, his scribe who's writing this, and tells them to pray for us. Paul's in prison and needs prayer. Do the pastors in churches need prayer? Yes. We, we need prayer, right? We need a lot of prayer. And pastors connect with other pastors and we pray for each other because we need prayer. There's so many things that come against us that we need prayer. And the enemy strategizes ways to try to destroy churches, especially the churches that are teaching and giving the word of God and accurately and the way it's been written, how to do it, especially in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, you're following those guidelines, how to have church, how to structure your church and have proper ecclesiology. Well, guess what? The enemy is going to come against you. It's going to come against the church. So we need prayer. But who we are called to pray for, I want you to write this down in your little sermon notes. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. That scripture there teaches us that we need to pray for people in authority. We need to pray for people in authority. Who are the people in authority in, 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 in our country? Your president. Your president. How many of you actually take the time to pray for your president? <laughs> people don't like our president. People don't want anything to do with our president. But did you know that you were called to pray for your president? You're called to pray for your governor. You're called to pray for people in authority. This is what God has called all of us to do. You want to say, well, I'm not going to pray for him every day. That's, you know, you are called to pray for these people. Let me tell you some other people that you're supposed to pray for. You're supposed to pray for the body of Christ. Not just this body here. But churches all around that you pray for the body of Christ. It's wonderful to pray for the body of Christ. It's also to have fellowship with other members of the body of Christ. It's always good to have dialogue with other members of the body of Christ. As long as we have essential truths of Christianity, 
We can have fellowship with one another. But it also opens up dialogue to talk about other things as well. Like, what are they teaching you there? What are we teaching you here? What does this scripture mean? Well, it teaches us something else. Well, it gives you an opportunity because you have fellowship and you haven't shunned a member of the body of Christ that you can actually talk about the scripture together. And you can open up the Bible and have a good conversation about the text of scripture. They may learn something. You may learn something. It's a good way to have fellowship. So we should pray for the body of Christ. But are we praying for each other here? Are we praying for each other here? Of course, you know, as I have incredible um, prayer warriors for the church, they are praying for us, but they're also praying for you on Monday nights. It's very important to always pray for you on Monday nights. I made this a point in the text from previous chapters, but we are praying for you. Just know that we are praying for you and we are praying for your families. We are praying for your children. We are praying that you catch the fire of God if you're feeling listless. We are praying that you catch the fire of God. We're praying that you would continue to walk and you would continue to grow. We're praying for you. We're praying for this church that we need Every, needs they, every need that we have, that it's always continually met. And we're always praying for you. So we have to pray for people in authority. We have to pray for the body of Christ. We have to pray for the members of the body of Christ. And we also have to pray for those in full-time ministry. How many of you know people who are actually in full-time ministry? Full-time ministry. I mean, could you, they don't have any other job. And all they do is work church 24 hours a day. That person needs to be prayed for. I mean, really, that person really needs to be prayed for. Because I'm telling you what, when you're in full-time ministry and you're dealing with the public and you're dealing with people and you're committed to people who will disappoint you, you need to pray for that person. You constantly need to pray for that person because people will always disappoint you. People will hurt you. People will say things. And, and this is a known fact. The sheep have teeth and they bite and they bite. So people in full-time ministry, we are praying for you. I know brothers and sisters who are in full-time ministry we need to pray for them. Pray for them. Continually to pray for them. And be steadfast with it. Diligent in prayer. Pray for their strength because they are serving the Lord. It's not about the kingdom of self. It's about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The people in the kingdom of God serve one another. We serve one another. We are here to serve and to help and to do all that we can to help better your life, to encourage your life so that you don't get frustrated in your walk with God. We need to be there for each other rather than turning our back on one another. Spend time with each other. Go to someone's house and pray with them. Spend time with each other. Talk to them. Pick up the phone. Call them. Check on them. Pray with them. Especially when those are in full-time ministry, they're constantly going through the battles of just being able to stand in full-time ministry. That's number three. That's number three. Number four, we need to pray for those people who want to go into ministry that haven't gone into ministry yet. There are people that are, are afraid to jump in. They're afraid to go ahead in with this one. We need to pray for them that they do go ahead and go and get involved in ministry. Because they get, there's what, they're fearful of entering into ministry because, because of what? Because of commitment and responsibility. Sometimes people don't like that responsibility. They don't like to be held accountable because when you jump in ministry, guess what? You have other people who are there who will try to help you in your ministry, who will try to help you stay involved and will keep you involved. And you can't say no. You have to get up. You have to go and you have to be a part of the ministry. So we need to pray for the laborers of the church. We need plenty of laborers, people who want to get involved. There's, there's many things that you can do here at the church. I'm putting on a Christmas play. I'm, I need some laborers. <laughs> I need some laborers to come and get involved. And I know they need prayer. So the laborers who are entering into ministry, they need prayer as well. We should be praying for them. We should always be praying for them. And 
Number five is we need to pray for the lost. How often do you pray for the lost? Now, we've committed to praying for the lost. We've committed to praying for your family, your family loved ones, your families that you know, your brother, your sister, whoever it is that you know that don't know Jesus, that are living an opposite way, that believe some other ideology and theology about life. We pray for them that they would come to know the saving truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's who we're supposed to pray for. Are you taking the time to pray for those who are lost? Are you taking the time to pray for those who are lost? This is why we're continuing to be steadfast in prayer, diligent, never listless, because you're thankful for all these things. You're thankful for what God has done for you, that you will pray for those in authority. You're thankful for what God has done in your life, that you will pray for the body of Christ. You're thankful for what God has done in your life, that you're praying for those who are entering in full-time ministry, those who are laboring, those who are, 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 are walking the thin line of, of jumping in and jumping back out. You're praying that they would jump in and they would be involved in church. They would be involved in ministry. We're praying for them. We're praying for the lost. But here's the last one you're supposed to pray for. You're supposed to pray for your enemies. Those who've been talking about you. Those who want nothing good to happen for you. You're to pray for them. How often do you pray for them? Are you thankful because you are an enemy of God? You were at war with God. But now you're at peace with God. And you have this relationship that was fixed with your father because of what Jesus has done. That you can pray for your enemies. For your enemies had a recent situation that happened where I was standing not too far from someone who really would like nothing more than to see everything crumble for me. And I was standing there and I was just thanking God. But yet there was peace. There was just constant peace because you can pray for those that want to just absolutely destroy you. And sometimes they call themselves a Christian as well. And yet they want to destroy you. Um, people who call themselves Christians that are in the body of Christ, but yet don't want to hear nothing good about what's happening in your life. Pray for them. How often do you take the time to pray for your enemies? There are people, and you know people, you probably have people in the in there thinking in your head right now that want nothing good to happen for you. How often do you pray for them? You are required and called by God to pray for these individuals. Let's go to the second point of the sermon. It says, Paul reminds the Colossians to use wisdom. You guys know what the, what the difference between knowledge and wisdom is. Do you know what it is? Well, wisdom is the application. Wisdom is the living out what you know. You can know all you can know about, about the word, but if you're not applying it, then you're not living in wisdom. You're not living in wisdom. Let's go back to the text. And this is very important because it says here in verse 3, at the same time pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ? The mystery is that Jews and Gentiles are as one in Christ. The gospel is no longer a mystery. It's out in the open. It's been revealed. The gospel is for all nations. Paul is saying, pray for those so that a door may be opened that many or whoever can go and be able to minister God's word to those who are lost. That there would be an opportunity for you to minister. There's been people, and I gotta pray for this for you guys too, because I get these calls a lot. I get these calls a lot. Hey, listen, I got a call from somebody who's who's having trouble in, in their marriage. I got a call from somebody who's saying they're having trouble with this demonic oppression. And there's a person that's coming to their life and it says, you know what, um, I wanna give them your number. I'm like, no, 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 don't give them my number. Why don't you just have enough courage to go ahead and minister to that person on your own? Because that person came to you and didn't come to me. Why don't you have the courage to take the time to pray with that person who you know is dealing with oppression from, from demonic forces? 
Or maybe you know someone who's coming to you and they're having trouble in their, in, their, in their marriage or they're having trouble personally in their life with whatever type of conduct they're facing. Well, you don't need to give them my number. Why don't you just pray with them? You have the courage to deal with it. Not everybody has to have my number. And, and for me to deal with it, you should all deal with it. I'm telling you the word of God. If you get the word of God and you apply the knowledge that you have, apply the wisdom that you have to go and help somebody, you have the opportunity to do it. And we pray that God would open a door. You know what my prayer is for you? That God would open up a door for all of you, everyone sitting in these salmon-colored chairs, that you would have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. That somebody comes up to you and says, what's life all about? Why am I here? That you have an answer for them. Young people, you kids here, that you have a student who's your age that go up to you and says, who is Jesus? And what would you say? I pray that you would have an answer. At least you would have the opportunity to share who Jesus is. So I pray for an opportunity for you all to be able to Share the gospel with somebody that a door may be open. A door may be open. And I prayed along with my brother George. I said, you know what I want to do? I said, as a, and this is Lisa's teaching the class. But she said something to me a long time ago, and we laughed about it. I was going through a real rough period in my life. It was a tough time. And she said, you know what? She said, one day, she said, you know, one day you're going to be sitting in church, and you're going to have your grandkids grandkids sitting in the chairs too where you're ministering the word and sharing, sharing the word of God and you have your grandkids there in the church too and he goes can't you, and you just capture that thought capture that vision and I thought about that I said what a beautiful thing that is and it actually comes to pass there's, there's grandma holding holding baby Noah you know in the church grandchild right your first grandchild it's a beautiful thing but those things happen it's a beautiful thing you're thankful for those things that God does and so I pray that all of you would have the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody and you are ready and you are available to do it. Rather than pass it on, which is like someone that's called a conduit, if someone comes to you and they're coming to you and you're like, uh, I'm gonna pass it on to him. Uh, yeah, I'm just the middleman. No, 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 you should be able to know how to articulate the gospel. How many of you pass new members? Amen. Yeah, y'all, everybody passed new members. Well, guess what? If you don't know how to take the gospel, we hope to see your new members after Thanksgiving again. Because some of us just need a refresher course. Because I guarantee you probably forgot what the tulip means. You better not forget what the tulip means. You got to know what that means. And the five souls of the Protestant Reformation, very, very powerful stuff. We got to know this stuff. Wisdom. You live out the gospel and you apply it. Paul's praying for a door to be opened. I pray that there will be a door open for you all, that you are going to be able to share the gospel with one of your family members this Thursday. Let's go back to the text. Let's continue. So it says, Paul's in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. This is the verse 4. It says, I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. The opportunities, although Paul is in prison, he's chained up, the word of God isn't chained up. The word of God will be preached. The word of God will always hit the mark. So Paul's in prison, he's chained up, but his word will never be chained up. You can't bound the word of God. As many as, as these uh, groups in the country or around the world will try to um, constrain or try to eradicate Christianity, they can't because the word of God will abide forever. That's why you're all here. That's why you're all here because the word of God will always hit its mark. Finally, the sermon point number three is this. says, Paul expresses how we are to strive to cultivate the gift of pleasant and wise speech. Wise speech. Let's go to verse five. What does that say? It says, walk in what? Walk in 
Are you guys in verse 5? Are we awake here today, church? It says again, walk in what? Wisdom. Wisdom toward outsiders. Walk in wisdom towards the outsiders. People who are outside the body of Christ, making best use of the time. I tell you, what are you doing with the time God has blessed you with? God has given you another day of life. What are you doing with it? Are you worshiping God with that time? Are you giving the time right back to him? He blesses you with days and minutes of the hour. You bless God with it right back. Worship God. Live out the gospel. Make best use of the time. Then it says this. Let your speech always be gracious. Why do we have trouble with that? Christian brothers watching online. Why do we have Christian brothers who can't control their tongue? People who can't control their speech. It says, let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And he expresses an opportunity for us to cultivate the gift of gracious speech. Gracious speech. Being able to encourage one another, I think, is truly a gift. Some of us don't want to encourage one another. Some of us don't want to talk to somebody that says, I'm encouraging you today. I have a, I have a word for you today from God, and here it is. I'm going to give you this word. It's right here in the scripture. It's verse 6 of the text. God is saying, why don't you let your speech always be gracious? Why can it always be gracious and uplifting and encouraging? Why do we have trouble dealing with the profanity that's a part of who we are? Well, it goes back to being the two people that we are. You're the old man and you're the new man. And when trouble hits, the old man comes to the forefront. We always tell people, why don't you have a biblical response Anytime you are dealing with conflict, rather than letting the old man resurface. I love hearing a lot of the stories when you guys face conflict. And I always hear this. They always say, and I think my sister had assured them, I may be Christian, but I got hands, right? You ever, you ever hear that? <laughs> Something like that. And, and that's the way it is. I hear, I hear that a lot when people tell me, man, I just faced this situation. I thank God that I'm saved. He better thank God that I'm saved, they would say. In other words, because the other person don't wanna, wants to fight. Some of you just want to fight. Some of you just want to throw down. Some of you just want the opportunity to fight because that's the old part of you. Rather than bring peace, rather than be gracious in your speech. But a lot of us want to fight. We want to argue. We want to throw hands. We have no business throwing hands. Unless, of course, someone's trying to attack your family, then I would encourage you to throw your hands. Or if someone's trying to break into your house, then I would encourage you to do something which you need to do to take care of your family. You take care of your family, right? But out there on the street, someone that you know is saying some things to you, we're to represent the gospel, live out the gospel. Live out the gospel. Live it to the fullest. Finally, in 10 minutes, I'm gonna give you the application. What does this mean? Next week, we're going to talk about community and these nine people that are in our lives. And if there was an old song that I would try to play next week, but I have well, just something to put in your head. You guys remember that old song by Houdini? Friends? How many of us have them? Well, we need some new friends. Let your old friends go, and you need some new friends. Application. So, Pastor Gay, what do I do with all this? She told us, Paul says to be continually steadfast in prayer, watch our speech. Pray for those people who need an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for everything that God has done. 
And in, in all the details that, that I get to, I get to, you know, I'm reminded of all the little minute details that God has done to rescue me and God has done to bring me to a place of peace. I'm always thankful. Always thankful. Application number one says, approach prayer always with a thankful heart, watchful with spiritual alertness. You always have to be alert. You always have to be mindful and alert of all the things that are happening around you. You know what this world is like. We live in the kingdom of God, but there's a kingdom of self out there. It's, it's hard for, for, for the young people. Don't get me wrong. It's hard for you young people. I get it. We live in a fallen world. We're fallen people in a fallen world. And everything is demonic out there. Everything is dark out there. There's so much temptation out there to keep you from focusing on the things of God. And that's what it is. But yet we are praying for you. We have to have an alertness as us older individuals. We're praying for our kids. We're praying for them. We're mindful of the attacks of the enemy and his plans and his schemes and the things that he does to strategize to try to get your heart condition all right. What he'll do to try to keep your mind uh, off the things of God. What he'll do to try to keep you from focusing on the things of God. And you're back into the thinking of the things of the world again. And so you have the kingdom of God. You have the kingdom of self. And the kingdom of self always looks out for number one. You're looking out for number one, but no longer do I look out for myself. I look out, I look to Jesus, and Jesus tells me to look out for all of you. That's the big difference. So having prayer, having watchful prayer is more informed prayer and will be more purposeful, personal, and powerful. We all know each other. We know our situations. We're going to pray for those situations, and we're going to do it with purpose so it can be more powerful. So we're praying for one another. Application number two. It says, have the proper perspective in prayer. Always an attitude of thankfulness. Don't allow your circumstances to change your disposition. Remain full of joy knowing God is at work. When you're in Christ, something will always come against you to try to change your disposition. Something will always try to come against you to change something in your life so you won't pray anymore. You won't be powerful when you pray anymore. You'll complain. You go back to the way you used to think. Remember that old person is trying to find its way back to the forefront. We're alert. We understand. And so we want to make sure our prayers are purposeful, powerful. Make sure we have the right perspective. And we can't allow the circumstances that happen in our life to change our disposition. Don't allow it to happen. We all go through trials and troubles of life. It's, your joy should remain full. You still should have the joy of the Lord. No matter what happens in your life, you should be joyful because of what Christ has done for you. Always remain thankful. Finally, number three says this. Always walk in wisdom in your daily interactions. What a battle that is. Walk with wisdom in your daily interactions. And we deal with the public quite a bit. We deal with all type of things and we're faced with all type of things. And yet we need to walk in wisdom with our daily actions because our job is to represent God to those who are on the outside. You're the Christian, they're the unbeliever. They look to you, they're supposed to see Jesus, Christ's likeness in your life. But if you are operating and acting the way they do because something happened in your life and your disposition has changed, then your witness really is fruitless. It really is. So walk in wisdom in your daily interactions. This results in a positive witness for Jesus. The unsaved need to see examples of God's wisdom in your life. You guys are in the workforce. You guys go to school. There's a lot of people around you that are 
on the outside. They're not in Christ. You can represent Christ by living out the gospel, living what you know in every time, every opportunity that you have. Live out the gospel. Live out the Lord. Live out the Lord's life in you so that you can be a powerful witness for God. That's what we are thankful for. Are you thankful today? We should be thankful. And as the holiday is fastly approaching this Thursday, we're thankful. Not for the food, but we're thankful for the work. We're thankful for the person and the work of Christ and what he has done to redeem our lives, to make our lives purposeful and powerful. And we're praying people. Let us pray.